Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Offset, sitting down with Keith Myers. It's been a little while since we've sat down together. Welcome into the show, Keith. We're doing a training camp preview, uh, starting with the offense. Yeah, so um, we're going to look at some storylines, and there's some interesting ones this year, ones we've kind of um, hit on, talked about, all that kind of stuff over the last uh, couple months, but we're going to kind of, you know, dig into them now that we're right on the verge of training camp we're just two days away from players reporting about um four days away from practices on the field yeah well i understand they're starting tomorrow um they're going to hold their first practice wednesday afternoon that was the that's the first one available to uh the public out of 13. um so they're doing it a little differently this year they're in today i believe like uh, Hmm. arrivals and um and all the um the medicals and then they get on the field tomorrow afternoon and it and the races are started so um cool yeah it'll be interesting and then they've got a, a mock uh, game on the uh 6th which the public is invited to and then um the first preseason game is, is against the steelers at the steelers on august 13th so we're just a a week and a, or two and a half weeks i should say away from uh the first preseason game and uh, so it's been a, a, a long off season. At least I think it's a long off season between, let's just say, you know, the 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 last game down in Arizona against the Cardinals, uh, the first week of of uh, January. We went through the entire process of the off season. We had free agency, the draft. We've had a few mini camps to talk about, but it's really been kind of a dead dead zone the last uh, six or seven weeks. And now we get to talk about football again, which is great, and um, and what we see on the field, uh, even though it's in practice, in practice games essentially preseason, um, it's it's going to start to come together, and and uh, the team is going to take shape. Uh, we're going to get a chance to see uh, what the defense uh, has in store for us as far as the scheme changes. Uh, they may be subtle, they may be um, uh, substantial changes. It's it's going to be nice to see those in the preseason kind of shake out a little bit, and then the offense, the first season in ten seasons without Russell Wilson. How's the team proceed on the offensive side of the ball in Shane Waldron's offense uh, without Wilson? There, we've got Drew Lock in camp, Geno Smith. It's going to be a little battle there. We still don't know for sure if there won't be another name added to the mix at some point. Um, likely not though. It looks like the team's comfortable going in. At least they're in a waiting game. I think maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I don't know that they would definitely probably not want to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, but if he is released, I think that, that he would possibly, you know, be a guy that would come in, um, to add to the competition there, Keith. So, um, that kind of sets the table, uh, for the conversation, uh, training camp. Uh, we're going to focus just on the offense in this show. Um, we were talking about storylines, like what are our things that are uh, out there that we're paying attention to that we think are going to be um, in the headlines as we 
we go through training camp. Keith, why don't you start? Well, I started off with what you were just talking about with quarterbacks is that um, my first one is, is there a quarterback acquisition to, to happen? Because um, you know this team is not competitive with the guys they've got on the roster. Um, and I know that the 49ers have, at one point they gave Jimmy Garoppolo's agent a um, the go-ahead to go seek a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently nothing came from that. But Shanahan has indicated that Garoppolo will not be on the roster. So um, he is going to be off San Francisco's roster one way or the other. And with Baker Mayfield being traded to Carolina, there aren't really any. No one's going to trade for. And the teams with a quarterback are Seattle and Houston, and Houston's at um, just beginning a full rebuild. Um, and so they're not going to be the one that's going to grab him. So if if he gets cut, Seattle's going to swoop in. Yeah, and and, and be it all seems really that. it seems really likely. In fact, I think he gives the team the best opportunity to win. If you take a look at the rest of the roster uh, and you could make an argument that the rest of the roster is actually pretty decent and has a lot of opportunity to, to win games, um, save the quarterback position. If you had a quarterback that was competent, that could give you a 68% uh, uh, percentage completion uh, percentage and um, limit turnovers and give you a few touchdowns now and again, Jimmy Garoppolo can kind of march the team down, you know, up and down the field. He's not going to, lose games for you may not go out and win games for you but he's not going to lose them Mm -hmm. and um it'd be interesting to see the team go in that direction because we've talked about the future of the franchise and this is kind of a little bit of you know pete always wants to kind of reset things as opposed to rebuild it's essentially a rebuild when you lose your franchise quarterback although the, the balance of the roster is still pretty decent so it's that's it is more of a reset and, and they're basically just trying to reset that quarterback spot and so we've talked about the level of competition this year as far as the team being competitive and how many games they would win and being in a position whether it's intentional or whether they're going to go out and just try to do it as best as they can with the two guys they've got likely not winning more than six or seven games in the process being set up to, to attain a quarterback in next year's draft if you if you bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo, that does kind of change the trajectory of this reset into not completely full on win now, but it's getting closer to that as opposed to lose now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Garoppolo is not a great quarterback. He just isn't. Um, he's also got a long history of being hurt, so he's going to miss a bunch of games um, too. So even if he ups his play slightly you're still not going to get him for enough games to have him be a guy that you can trust to get you deep into the playoffs and that kind of stuff Uh, but he's an improvement and pete carroll's going to want to compete he's not going to go out there and try and lose games he's going to try and win games and know that if he fails at that they'll be in position to get a good quarterback in the draft Um, and he'll be okay with that part too but He's going to try and win games, and Jimmy Garoppolo gives them a far better chance to win games than Drew Locke or Geno Smith, and that's just the truth right. of it. Right, right. So that'll be interesting. But let's talk about the guys we've got. Um, mm-hmm. My, you know, speaking of uh, storylines, mine uh, started at the top as well. Quarterback mm-hmm. competition: Geno Smith, Drew Locke, yep. quarterback. This and is I my. Put, this was my number two. Yeah, is, and I put no quarterback. Yeah, I put quarterback 
you know, number three, question mark, question mark, because I just, you know, I figured we'd have this conversation about Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Geno Smith's the guy that's coming back. Um, he's got, you know, three game starts plus a, another half of, of play for the Seahawks. They've kind of seen what he's uh, got. Um, although the, the offense was kind of designed last year around the idea of Russell Wilson being there. So he was kind of playing off some of that. It'd be interesting. I, I would be interested to see what Geno Smith looks like now and he's offense specifically designed around his skill set, the way that Shane Waldron thinks that this offense needs to be uh, operated and see if it looks any different than what we've been accustomed to with Russell Wilson kind of not necessarily operating within the offensive scheme, but kind of a hybrid thing where he's kind of creating and then, uh, you know, a little bit of design plays, if you will. You know, Russell Wilson probably did, you know, ran the design play 85% of the time, but it was that 15% that made him special. And um, no other quarterback is going to be able to, to touch that. And that's why, you know, Russell Wilson won games for Seattle, um, especially with with a roster that maybe wasn't quite developed around him in the last couple of years. Um, but Geno Smith and Drew Locke are, are interesting in that Geno's, this might be his last opportunity. If he loses the opportunity to, to start this year, this is probably it for him. If Drew Locke uh, is able to, to, to win the job and looks good, this could be a resurrection of his career. Even though it's a short career right now, it's dead in the water until he goes out and does something different. And this, this is his opportunity. So both quarterbacks are handed this opportunity that they really, you know, Geno Smith hasn't had since he left New York and Drew Locke is, you know, just kind of a, a got thrown out of Denver was a throw in uh, as far as uh, a draft compensation in the Russell Wilson trade. And uh, here they are, both are set up to have, what could be possibly career years. It could also be career ending years if they're bad. <laughs> right. Right. So the stakes are high. I mean, really, really high for both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Locke, Locke is running out of opportunities and Gino is 34 and is out of opportunities. Um, and so it, this is what, this is it. Um, you know, for each of these guys, this is their one chance to prove that they belong. And if they don't, they won't. Um, and I could see both of them being out of the league next year um, if this goes south in a hurry. So uh, it's a big deal for them. It's a big deal for Seattle. If they if one of them does look good, this team could be okay. Um, so after the quarterbacks, the next storyline has to be DK Metcalf and his contract. It's funny. I've got, uh, well, I, I, I've got this umbrella under wide receiver competition, but my first line item is DK Metcalf contract. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely the going rate for a wide receiver of DK Metcalf's caliber is somewhere between 23 and 27 million with a whole ton of of cash guaranteed, probably close to 50 million in guarantees. Um, AJ Brown has a four year, $100 million deal with $56 million guaranteed. Um, And that's with the the Eagles. That's that's about what um, Metcalf's going to end up with. Okay, every everything always goes up, so bounce it a little bit, make it four years, um, one hundred five or one hundred four, um, and then yeah, instead of fifty six million, they make it fifty seven. It, it's going to be in that range. Yes, yeah, and they and they've both come out. Uh, the team and Medcalf have come out and said that they're working on it. 
Uh, everything seems to be amicable. There's no real indication of any holdouts. No statements have been made publicly, which is kind of right where you want it if you're um, mm-hmm. in the Seahawks organization. Uh, organizationally, they they prefer that so that there's no distractions. Uh, team's not distracted. I would anticipate DK Metcalf coming uh, to camp, making an appearance, but maybe not uh, taking the field. Uh, so that he's not fined and he shows, uh, you know, in his new quote unquote leadership role that the team is kind of asking of him this year. Um, I think that he does that. That's similar to what a Bobby Wagner has done in the past. Um, uh, KJ Wright, um, even Jamal Adams last year. Uh, yeah. And, in, that's, in, that's, and that's what we're going to see. And then what they're going to say is, you know, cause he, he did, um, have an off-season procedure, but so they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, he's reported, he's here, he's not participating because you know of the we're just taking his recovery slowly, whatever. And then the moment he signs a contract, that recovery will be over, and he'll be out on the field. So um, it just yes. works out for everybody, right? And he doesn't need the three games. Uh, in fact, it might be a, a benefit of the team to have him sit out a little bit anyway just so that they can get a good, solid look at some of the other young competition. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, and, um, you know, I would imagine within the next seven to 10 days, a deal gets done. He's probably, mm-hmm. you know, right before the first preseason game or, or right after or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. They'll, um, this has always kind of been what we expected. Like the team and and player agent there's not a lot of incentive for either side to get this done early they the deadlines tend to spur compromise um and so you know now we're up the up at the start of uh training camp and all of that well guess what that's kind of a kind of a, a deadline and so now both teams both sides are like all right let's get this together let's make this work yeah. and that's just it's just the way that it works. And a, and a lot of times, too, these players are out of town. They're busy. They're taking vacation. They're, they're working out on their own, et cetera. They come into town. They're in the building. You know, they kind of wait for the final final um, negotiations to, to kind of take place in person. So I would anticipate something happening in the next. And it wouldn't surprise me if it happens in the next 48 hours, but probably within the next week or, t- or two at the latest. Um, speaking of, of the wide receiver competition, my next bullet point under this headline is the battle for, uh, the third wide receiver snaps. And, um, I would imagine that's probably, that was probably in the running for a a topic for you as well. What's going to happen with that third spot is Freddie Swain going to be able to, uh, show improvement over the off season and lock that in. Uh, he had, I think, let me see if I wrote that down. Yeah, 25 catches for uh, 343 yards and four touchdowns last year. So Mm -hmm. not bad, but one would expect running 11 personnel as often as they did, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, um, to to be a little bit more than that, especially the the tight end usage last year wasn't wasn't that great. So I think they are looking for a little bit of improvement there. I think they would like um, a guy like D. Eskridge, who's the other name, I think, in this battle. Uh, to be able to come in and win that job. Uh, D. Eskridge is a more dynamic receiver. I understand from the team that he can do everything, run all the routes. Um, he can he can be in the slot. He can, he can stretch the field for you. Um, he can uh, yard after catch for you. So I, I think that, you know, 
it, it's a good situation for the Seahawks to be in because I think, you know, Freddie Swain is going to be an, a great number four wide receiver, worst case scenario, um, and or Eskridge. So I think they're in pretty decent shape overall. Yeah, but then you've also got behind them with um, the rookies they drafted and, um, mm-hmm. you know, some other uh, guys that have been around for a while. Um, you're not going to keep four receivers. You're going to keep five or six. Yeah. And I, my so, next bullet point is battle for the fourth and six, fourth through six spots on the roster. Yeah. yeah so there's, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun, it's a fun group. Just, it is. It's one of, of the most competitive of groups on in the, in the entire yeah. uh, team. And you know that, you know, Lockett and Metcalf are at the top. Well, they're also like Metcalf might not get many reps during, you know, training camp. Uh, Lockett doesn't need the reps. So they may, he may do like you know limited work throughout all of, you're going to get an opportunity to see the kids rep after rep after rep yeah. um, they're going to get their work in and that's that's going to be fun to watch the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major sports action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, and we're talking about Bo Melton and, and Derek Young specifically, who were drafted in the seventh round uh, in this mm-hmm. uh, last year's draft in May. And then you've got players you'd mentioned, uh, guys that have been around, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Penny Hart now has been floating around the practice squad and the, and the team roster for, I think this is his fourth season. Cade Johnson last year came as an unheralded, heralded, undrafted rookie free agent who had some some upside, didn't, didn't do enough last year to, to kind of break through. There's an opportunity there. I understand Cody Thompson, who's been hanging around for a while, had a terrific spring for the team, really kind of showed and, and stepped up his his game as well. They really like him. Um, and Aaron Fuller and, and a couple other guys are in there as well. So, um, yeah, it should be a fun competition. And you're right. Those guys are going to get plenty of reps for the reasons that you, you stated for sure. All right. Beyond the wide receivers and the quarterback stuff, what else is happening on the offensive side of the ball that you think is going to be a, a great storyline this year? I think the two rookie offensive tackles. Um, they drafted uh, Cross in the first round, uh, ninth overall. He is the starter at le- on the left side. But then they turned around in the third round, which is another um, spot in the draft where you're looking for starters. You're not looking for role players. Um, and they drafted uh, Abe Lucas to be the right tackle. And are they going to go into the league or into the, you know, the season with two rookie offensive tackles starting? Um, Or, you know, is Jake Curran going to win that spot? What happens with Stone Forsyth, who has tremendous potential and upside himself, but, um, you know, didn't develop enough last year to to show that he was 
ready to take over, which caused them to, to draft cross but cross is the superior player. Um, you know what? I mean, you have four guys at offensive tackle with a combined two, two years in the league out of those yeah. four guys. Isn't that crazy? So you, you've essentially read my notes, dude, because <laughs> my, my, my third storyline is offensive tackle competition and yep. specifically exactly what you just outlined. Um, yeah, I do expect to, you know, kind of answer your rhetorical question. I do expect Charles Cross and Abe Lucas to be named starters uh, week one and let them go through some growing pains together and have this uh, new offensive line um, kind of coagulate, if you will, as quickly as possible so that they're ready for a run if they if they can make one in the mm-hmm. second half of the season. And I think that does, in fact, limit the offensive opportunities early in the season. I think that it restricts maybe some of the pass um, looks that the team wants to be able to take. I don't know that they're going to set up these, you know, in the past, you saw Russell Wilson take four five, six seconds to, to allow deep uh, throws down the field. I think you're going to see a lot more play action to, to allow those some uh, to develop this year, a lot more dump offs, quick tempo type stuff in order to help those rookie offensive linemen, young offensive line in general. Um, be able to protect the quarterback Um, because nobody's going to do a good job, whether it's Gino or Garoppolo or Locke, if they can't get protection. So I think it's uh, the offense is going to be kind of designed at least early in the year, I think, to kind of mitigate some of that. See, I'm actually kind of expecting um, Jake Curran to start at right tackle um, over Lucas during at week one entirely for the fact that they know that putting him there means that they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, because he is a that's a that's of, a really great point of a of a run blocker. He's not a great pass protector, but he's a mauler as a run blocker, and they're going to put in there, and so they can run the ball, which will help the offense and provide some ability to stay on the field a little bit and, and su- sustain some drives um, while they figure some stuff out. And then, of course, you know, he'll get a stubbed toe or a hangnail at some point around week six, and Abe Lucas will come in and not look back, but um, I do kind of expect that to be the um, the path, but who knows? I mean, like I said, we four guys, two years in yeah. the league combined. What is it? Five starts combined over the four guys. It is. It is. Current. <laughs> it is five starts, right? Combined, whatever it is. But the upside, the the talent, oh, yeah. the overall talent in this group now is better than we've had in years. You know, it's just they got to go out and do it. They really, I mean, they they do. And and there are a few areas like that in on this team. You know, we'll we'll talk about the defense in the next show. But cornerback is is kind of similar in that you know we've got a bunch of guys, but there's not a lot of you know starters or cohesiveness back there right now. So, okay, uh, I've got my number four storyline uh, coming into this training camp is the running back competition. That's my next uh, one. Yeah. Although um, say, I, I said running back health, because that's the um, that's what makes the running back competition a competition, um, because Chris Carson is is he he's still on the roster. I'm actually kind of surprised that we've made it to the start of training. Camp. I, I bet he's on the roster just to get to this very day to get physically, you know, where he's taking a physical and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and then. 
you know, uh, Penny had just tremendous end of the year last year. It looked like the real deal. But then, of course, he was hurt all offseason again. Um, and back yeah, that's in why the I don't. World, that's so. why I don't think there's any downside in keeping Chris Carson on the roster to this point. Uh, even um, if he p- fails physical, they could put him on the pup list, um, physical unable to perform, and um, until he's cleared to return, or you know he's he's on the list, and uh, after the roster is formed, they've got to wait at least four games for him to come back. So that's actually a pretty decent amount of time for him to kind of be hanging there a little bit, maybe some more time for the neck and see if Penny can last. And if Penny's still full go after four games or whatever, then Chris Carson would probably be released on a, you know, some sort of medical release or whatever. But well, if to me, on, it's if no, on, there's no downside. If he's on the pup, there's no, um, he's not taking up a roster spot. So if they if he comes in fails physical and they just drop him instantly onto the the um, the off season pup list, you know, w- the off season pup list means that um, that opens the roster spot, but they can activate that, them anytime. There's no like rules as far as how long you've mm-hmm. got to be on there. It's the in season pup list that has that minimum six games or whatever. Okay. But they but they still have they have 15 weeks to make a decision. They have they have until week 15 to um either activate him or put him on on injured reserve so they could yes. drag this out all year they um, could. i don't think i don't think they want to because if he's not going to be healthy enough to play they want him to retire so they can get all the salary cap money back yeah yeah i get that i do but three million three point five million dollar um cap hit to have that insurance especially if he if he is cleared but he's not off the pup list quote unquote, um, he could kind of hang out there a little bit, practice with the team or at least go through um, meetings and all that kind of stuff and work out on his on his own and be ready, just kind of be a shadow roster there and be kind of be ready to go if, if injuries do come. Well, I'm assuming he's not going to pass. That's, that, you know what I mean? Like it's a matter of using the rules to like, he's he's not going to get cleared to play so you can use the rules to keep him around for a while in case things improve he's also been at this now for as far as his recovery for what is it nine months um 10 months and so it's um yeah if he's not cleared to play now he may never be uh, yeah, I disagree with same, that a little bit. I mean, it's, it's the same thing that 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 ended. Uh, it's Ken true, Chancellor but everyone's different. Tables. I know this firsthand. Everybody's different when it comes to your spine, and this fusion thing is no joke. And you need some time, you know. And and um, to have your, you know, your fusion could be completely fused. Those bones are solid as can be, but that you know you atrophied a little bit because you you didn't use them for six months or whatever because you were healing. You just you weren't cleared to even exercise. I know that. Um, and so when he did begin to exercise and work out, it takes a long time for that to rebuild to the point where you can be a professional football player, not just a guy working at a desk nine to five. This is a guy that's going to get hit for a living. And I think those, those are way different, you know, levels of being ready. And so I think, you know, some of these things are a month to month where you need just that little extra time. And so it is kind of this fine line between declaring him you know, dead in the water and whether he's ready to, to come back or not. So I'm not completely writing him off, 
it is likely that maybe he doesn't make this um, this physical, but maybe they they indicate that he's he is probable to to pass a physical in the next two or three months. They may go this pup route. We'll see. Yeah. So let's talk we'll about the guys that are available. So the the other guy that's on my little bullet point list under this main category running back competition is Ken Walker. Is Which he ready to be. make an immediate impact? He's got to be. He doesn't have a choice. That's true. That he really doesn't. Right now, we do, after that conversation, yeah, he doesn't have a choice because um, Carson's not going to be ready for the beginning of the year. I mean, Pete Carroll's talk is like, yeah, he, we're, they're waiting for Chris Carson to accept that it's over. Um, that was his comment over the offseason. Well, they don't uh, have to wait for him to accept. They can, they can make that decision yeah. for him. Um, but uh, you know, Penny can't stay healthy. He was hurt all offseason during the offseason workouts and whatnot. Um, this team needs a guy that can come in and carry the offense and be the guy. And they drafted Ken Walker to be that guy. Yeah, he doesn't simple have a as that, right? <clears throat> there's, there's no one else. Yeah, in um, past he, years, Keith, let's be honest, Ken Walker would have been a first-round draft pick you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, five things years have changed. Ago. Yeah, things have changed, you know, where mm-hmm. this type of top-end talent in the, in the draft is now available in the second and third round. Ken Walker was, you know, either the first or second best running back in this, um, in this last draft. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, Brees Hall to some is, is the best one. Um, but Ken Walker is definitely a guy that they do expect to come in right away and carry the load. And he's only, he's probably the only one other than Rashad Penny that can really be a three down back in this system. You know, you can look at mm-hmm. DJ Dallas, he's on the periphery. He could get you through in a pinch, but not game after game after game. Yeah, Dallas has got the talent. He's got some elusiveness, but there's something about when he's in at running back, um, he doesn't read the blocks as well as he should because he's not as productive. Let him return kicks and he's dynamic. Um, but it was clear that things just didn't work as well for him when he was uh, in the backfield. And, you know, when Penny came on and showed that it wasn't the blocking. Yes. Right. Because Penny looked good at the end of the yes. year. Yes, he did. Um, he had the best five-game run stretch of of any running back probably in the last four or five years. I mean, Marshall. you look at you look at Derrick Henry's best five-game stretch as a pro. You look at um, Jonathan Taylor's best five-game stretch as a pro. They're under Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny had one of the best five-game stretches that you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about the, the, just the back end really quick, the back end of, of that raw, uh, running back room, Keith, what do you expect, um, to see for that either fourth or fifth spot? Well, I, I think guys like, um, Dallas and, and Homer have value, um, for Dallas it's in, it's on special teams, uh, with Homer it's as a third down back, um, and, you know, and maybe, they trust both those guys too because they don't put the ball on the ground. Yeah, um, and so so there's a value there. I think they would love to see one of those two step out and make the other one expendable, um, and so that way they could keep a guy like Josh Johnson around who's got talent but you know needs an opportunity to show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year the the word was that he had the best hands of any running back um, on the on the roster. Um, and in terms of his ability to catch the ball and, and just a huge catch radius, like you'd expect from a, from a star wide receiver, 
from a running back. And I'm like, that's, you know, not something you hear often. Um, I think they'd love to keep him around, but there's got to be a spot for him. In yeah, order for that too. to happen, one of those other two guys has to get bumped off the roster. And I don't know anything about Darwin Thompson, but he's the other guy that's yep. uh, that's looking for opportunity. All right. What's your fifth storyline that you've got written down? Actually, we've been through all of mine. It's oh, okay. quarterback trade, quarterback battle, uh, our trade acquisition, uh, Metcalf contract, the offensive tackles, and then the health of the running back room. Those are my, my five. My last one was, can Noah Fant have a career year in this offense with these quarterbacks? And I <sighs> and, and the reason that I brought up the, the tight end group is, A, we brought up all the other groups. I thought I'd throw him a bone here with my number five. But <laughs> uh, you really look at Noah Fant, though, and this is a real nice opportunity for the Seahawks to really kind of do something with a, with a, a number one level tight end in, in the league. I mean, he's probably in the top 10 tight ends overall, I think. Um, and has an opportunity to really kind of stand out on in this offense, depending on how they run um, 12 personnel, uh, two tight end sets um, with, with Shane Waldron's offense and these quarterbacks, to be completely honest, um, as far as what they're going to ask of them. Like, what is Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll going to ask of these quarterbacks? Are Is he going to ask them to stretch the field and throw the long ball quite a bit not at the same level as russell wilson is he going to ask them to use the tight ends more underneath crossing routes etc get the ball into open space Um, yeah i think so i think so and so i think Noah fans has a has a really good opportunity here to catch uh you know 60 to 75 balls in this offense yeah we'll see i mean they'd be able to stay in drive there has to be enough offensive plays for him to get there yeah. and that involves yeah, right. actually being able to sustain drives. Um, and if they're three and outing it all the time because quarterback play, no one's going to get to their stats. Yeah. Well, there's your Kenneth, Ken Walker importance. Yes, it is. Head again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Anything else that you want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball before we get out of this show? I think we get out of this show. That was, um, I mean, we pretty much went through every um, position group, unless you want to talk about the battle at center, which is not interesting because it's no. <laughs> there's no there's no great. Ooh, here's this young kid. No, it's all just mediocrity. Uh, <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, interesting. So, are you excited in general about uh, training no. camp starting up this week? I, always, absolutely. Yeah. Are you Even going? If I don't know what date it is today. Are you are you going to a practice or two this year, Keith? Yes, I will be um, going up for at least one. Um, do that every year just to get up and and um, watch a full practice live. Um, I try and do it later in uh, training camp just after the, the mock game because that's when it's less about like uh, getting guys, you know, up to speed and, and learning plays and more about like truly getting execution ready and and that kind of stuff. And so... Um, I tend to like, I like to go up just after the, um, after the, the mock game. So that's the plan. Nice. Awesome. All right. Let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. Seahawksplaybook.com is the website. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and share with all your friends and family. Until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks.
Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.